Thanks, Keith. Am I on? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Nice. It's the first time I've ever worn the couples over here. Not there. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever worn one of these uh, mic things, so I feel quite uh, professional and special. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Keith, for that uh, very humbling introduction. Uh, me and Keith have, yeah, we've had some good talks, and uh, to be honest with you, uh, Grassroots has been a place for me and my family um, since we moved back to Canada about three years ago, um, where we were able to um, receive shelter, uh, receive friendship, um, and just, I'm just so honored and blessed to be able to have the opportunity to, to speak. Um, I haven't been serving grassroots for, at Grassroots for 25 years. I've been here for two years. And, um, and so I'm, I'm humbled and I'm honored for that. Uh, I don't know if Pete mentioned, so I'm, I'm a chaplain uh, in Thunder Bay. Um, I work uh, at St. Joseph's Care Group as a long-term care chaplain. I also do some uh, other chaplain work at the regional hospital on call. Uh, as well as at the Youth Justice Center working with Indigenous youth. Um, and the reason I say that is just because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm around people. Um, uh, I'm around people when they're experiencing hurt in their life. Um, and Christmas time, you know, what's today, December 29th, but right in between Christmas and the New Year. And so there's these interesting, uh, you know, interesting talks we hear, see on social media about uh, we have to, you know, the new year is going to be a great year, and everything's going to change, and I'm going to be better, right? Um, but no one ever actually stops and thinks, unless you, of course, have the opportunity or uh, you work in my field, to realize that Christmas time isn't exactly a time of joy and comfort and peace. It can be, and for many of us it is. But Christmas time can be a time of, of grief and hurt. Uh, I'm reminded daily when, as a chaplain who works in long-term care. Um, and uh, it's something that, that we, we as human beings cannot, you know, cannot, uh, cannot escape. I'm trying to turn this on here. Minor glitches. I actually haven't preached in like three years, so just hang in there with me. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm still learning. So, the first thing I want to talk about in regards to you know, trusting in Jesus when life hurts, which is what my sermon is going to be about today. I just wanted to talk to you about what I've been sort of receiving as Keith has been preaching over the past uh, month. Um, and one thing I should say is that in seminary, my, my main area of interest was Christology. And I dipped into a lot of the uh, major theologians in Christian history, Martin Luther, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Jürgen Moltmann. And if those, those names aren't familiar to you, that's okay. Um, maybe we can grab a coffee sometime and I can talk to you. So here's, here's, a, here's a bit of a brief uh, summary that, that I took uh, from, uh, from Keith's sermon. 
And I took the liberty, Keith, to summarize your, uh, your month of sermons, if that's okay. <laughs> I know Keith would be okay with that, but anyways, we'll have a coffee later, Keith. Uh, so, and we'll talk about it. Uh, so Jesus reveals to us that God's love is fully embracing, transforming, and eternal, that God's heart is merciful and tender, that we are his most precious treasure, and that we receive his transforming love best by being vulnerable to him and practicing vulnerability. So there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. But I love it. I love what, what he's been talking about. Receiving God's love. And we can only receive, we can only love others until we receive God's love for ourselves. But I wanted to point, pick, point first to this idea of vulnerability. It's sort of the last point that he talked about over the past month. Um, vulnerability. We can't escape that as human beings. Um, when life hurts, we come face to face with our own vulnerability. And Jesus says himself, in this world, you will have trouble. Um, and as a chaplain, uh, I always find it kind of amazing, and at the same time a little bit scary, that God's put me into people's lives. When they're experiencing trouble, when they're experiencing pain and hurt um, at the depth of vulnerability, that, uh, you know, I go in and I be with people and families when their loved ones are, are passing away, their mothers, their fathers, their aunts. Um, I go into hospitals when people are experiencing, you know, uh, situations in life where all of a sudden, you know, their heart, their heart gives out. They have to go fly to Toronto for emergency, emergency surgery. Um, when people in, at the Youth Justice Center, I go in and I be with the Indigenous youth who, who have had lives that I can't even explain to you uh, on the stage, let alone uh, in person, the things that Indigenous youth have had to deal with. Um, and we know we, you know, in Canada we talk about truth and reconciliation. Um, and so I'm able to, God has given me this, like, this ability to go into uh, people in their most vulnerable places. In this world you will have trouble. And honestly that doesn't just speak to people out in the world who may or may not be Christian. That speaks to us as Christians, as part of grassroots community. I know that people here have experienced loss in their life. I, I mean, has anyone not experienced pain and loss? Anybody? No? Okay. So we're all on the same page there. That's good. Um, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But guess what? So here's the guess what. In Jesus, God made himself vulnerable so that we can learn how to receive his love and trust him. And God becomes a human being. Uh, he, he becomes a little baby. God. And he, his family becomes a refugee family. They have to escape because Herod wants to kill Jesus. God enters into a deeply, deeply vulnerable world through the incarnation and the cross. Again, Jesus, he goes to the cross. And actually in the Gospel of John, which, which I'll be talking about today, the whole idea of Jesus going to the cross uh, and the whole idea of God's glory, um, John, John tells us in, in, in his Gospel that Jesus going to the cross is the most glorifying act that Jesus could do. It glorifies the Father. And it's an interesting concept to think about. Sometimes we can think about glory as this sort of, you know, um, God's power and might and His majesty filling the skies and the heavens. But God, John's Gospel tells us that in order for the Father to be glorified, Jesus has to go to the cross and suffer. It's the only way He can reach us and bring us into His eternal loving embrace. We have this tender-hearted Father that Jesus reveals to us. And in order to reach us, he has to become vulnerable. He has to become a baby. He has to die on the cross. 
there's this quote here, and if anyone, um, actually 10 bucks, whoever can uh, tell me who, who said this. Uh, and if you know me, uh, no one can say it who knows me. Uh, it says, in the, in the humiliation, which is Jesus coming low in humility to save, Christ of his own free will enters the world of sin and death. He enters it in such a way as to hide himself in it, in it in weakness and not be recognized as God as the Godman. He does not enter this this is a I love this part. He says he does not enter in kingly robes of Morphale, which is the Greek of form of God, right? We can think of God as like this majestic king, which he is, or this uh, this Jesus as this creator of the cosmos, which he is. But here's how he comes into the world. He doesn't come in a fortified palace um, or in the form of God. He, he goes incognito as a beggar among beggars, as an outcast among outcasts, as despairing among the despairing, and as dying among the dying. Okay? Jesus comes low. God comes low. Why does he do that? Well, he does it because he, because in our reality as human beings, we're vulnerable. He has to reach us. How can he reach us? He can't reach us if he doesn't come and say, hey, I'm familiar with your experiences. I'm familiar with your pain. I'm familiar with your hurts. No, he comes in. He loves us. And he says, I'm with you in those pains and hurts. Um, yeah, so my work as a chaplain um, in Christmas time, Hmm. I can't help but, you know, think of, of some of you I know who've lost people uh, over the past year and over the past 10 years. And I'm reminded of just how difficult it is and how um, heartbreaking it is when you think at Christmas you're lost in your grief. Often this comes in the, in the place of a person, you know, a father a mother, a child, um, even a business. We lose wealth. We lose uh, the things that we've hold, held dear. We lose our marriage. You know, these things are big things. And at Christmas time, for some of us who are sort of have those things still, they've kept intact. Um, we can rejoice, and we can we can sort of go along with this idea that oh, it's Christmas time. There's Christmas songs. Everything's good, joyful, and comforting. And yet. There are people out there, probably more people than we think, who are suffering and who are grieving losses in their life. Um, I, I recently put, uh, I recently went up to a visit uh, at St. Joseph's Care Group, and uh, a lady was actively dying. They were withdrawing her from care, as they say in healthcare lingo. And I walked in, and, <clears throat> and here's this older man. He's probably about 50 years old, and he's he's the well, <laughs> older adult, older than me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll say he's sixty or seventy. And here's this, and he's the son. He's the son of this woman who's who's in her bed and she's end of life. So an end of life, and she's she'll she'll die in the next two or three days. And we're talking, and he's a really nice guy. And, uh, he's talking about his mom, and he's telling me stories about his mom and how much she means to the family and how amazing their family is. And, um, but I can sense something with this, with this gentleman. He, he, he seemed strong, but there was, I could tell there was a tender spot there. He, he, was, he was becoming vulnerable with me. 
as I went as as we were talking, and he, he and he kind of let out the fact that he's like, ah, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Should I withdraw my mother from care? Should I? I don't even know. I've never went through something like this. I don't even know what to do. And you can tell, like in the in the field of chaplaincy, uh, when someone's dying and, and a and a family member has to decide whether they're withdrawing someone from care, there's guilt that comes up. Um, living in, or working in long-term care home, you're dealing with all kinds of family dynamics. Guilt, uh, you know, people have guilt because they, their family is in long-term care, um, or they're they're so stressed and they haven't dealt with, you know, uh, the family dynamics in their life and how they've been wounded within their family. That it's just stress and struggle, and, and uh, the coping isn't always the best. So, little tender spot I noticed with this gentleman and and I kind of stopped him you know he's going on and on grief I don't know and I stopped him and, I, and as a chaplain these are the kind of moments that that God really speaks through you it has nothing to do with me and I stopped him okay? and I paused and I was quiet and the pause I could tell made him feel uncomfortable just like I just did it then if I was to pause for like 10 seconds and say, if I was to say, what is your greatest grief this Christmas? Are you feeling a little bit more vulnerable now? <laughs> so the gentleman, he stopped and I said, I said, there's no right way to grieve the loss of a family member when someone dies. There's no right or wrong way. There's no right or wrong way. And I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I know that sounds simple to us, but in moments like that, it can be very life-giving and relieving. And as I said that to him, he stopped, and tears started to roll down. And his face got red, and he started to he started to cry. And in that moment, I was able to touch a piece of vulnerability for him to find comfort. And as I think about that about this, that story and other stories I I have as a chaplain, I I hope that for people, I hope that for you. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that means. Uh, be careful about time here. Eh? <laughs> Okay. So how can I believe when life hurts? How can we really believe when we're going through these instances where people are passing away, where life hurts, and we don't know where to go? You know, when, and when life hurts, and I mean really hurts, our faith in Jesus sometimes hurts too, right? I, I, can, I can attest to that. When life really hurts, I'm like, I'm like, God, really? You know, like, what's going on here? Are you still here? Do you love me? It's hard to have faith when life hurts, isn't it? Uh, and I think it's harder to have faith when life hurts than when life is going our way. Um, when we're realizing our dreams, you know, when we're realizing our dreams, when, when relationships are thriving, when finances are flowing and the stars are aligning, having faith in God comes natural to us. And I, I suppose it should. But when the wheels fall off or when life falls apart and nothing seems to go right, we feel our faith being tested. Sometimes deeply tested. Has anyone ever been there? 
Has your faith ever been deeply tested because of what's going on in your reality? So when the wheels fall off, or when life falls apart, nothing seems to be going right. We feel our faith being tested. This too, I think, though, is a natural response. To feel stretched in our faith when chaos threatens, to fracture the wholeness of our lives, reveals that, that, that we're human, right? We're human. And to be human means, it means to hurt sometimes. Sometimes more than we want, right? So there's this whole idea of faith. There's this whole idea of faith. We talk about faith. It's good to have faith. Uh, you know, we, we talk about faith as this sort of interesting word. Uh, uh, to me and to many people, I believe, when we think of the word faith, when we're going through reality, through the struggles of our life, um, we sometimes automatically internalize it, at least I do. It, it, it's sort of, we sometimes automatically internalize it as this cognitive or intellectual belief in God. And when life is going as planned, as we've talked about, you know, the stars aligning, our minds find it easy to believe in Jesus. Because we really don't need to use that much spiritual muscle. When our lives align neatly with our creeds, for, for instance, or our beliefs. But when life hurts, a faith that is internalized as merely, you know, the cognitive recognition that God is good because life is good, it will certainly almost crumble under the weight of these paradoxical realities that we face, right? Right? At Christmas time, there's joy, there's comfort, we have community. These are all great things, and we praise God for them. We praise God for that. But there's these paradoxical realities, you know. There's also suffering, death, pain. How do, we, how do we make sense of these things? How do we bring this together as a unified whole when it comes to our faith? If God is good, then why is all this bad? If God loves me, then why all this hate? If God provides, then why do finances fill? If God has gifted me in this way, when, then why aren't my dreams being realized? I remember I wrote this as part of an article when I couldn't find any work. And I was just like, okay, I guess... And we live in Toronto, so I was like, okay, I guess... I guess I just got to keep leaning in or pushing through, but it was not easy. If God has gifted me, so yeah, so our mind, minds alone can't handle this paradox. Our intellect can't can't handle this paradox if we're solely using our intellectual capacities when it comes to faith. So we can't handle the paradox, and neither can a faith that solely exists in the mind. So the word faith, I suggest, has been westernized a bit. When we read our English Bibles, it's sort of been categorized into something the biblical writers did not intend. This causes us to often misread the Bible with Western eyes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I think when we just sort of just look at faith as this intellectual, uh, this intellectual ascent to belief or this cognition that life is good and therefore God must be good, um, I think that's damaged our ability to dig deep into our hearts and souls and to wrestle with God when life really hurts. It's caused us to believe that biblical faith, faith is sort of this static, cognitive, you either have it or you don't mentality that can solve your problems if you just believe enough or have all your mental notes in order about Jesus. It's the kind of faith that fails to address or deal with the complexities and contradictions we face in real life. 
It's a faith grounded in the mind. When it should be grounded in reality. Both our reality and God's. But is this the kind of faith the biblical writers talked about? Um, as part of my seminary studies, I took a course uh, in New Testament uh, on the Gospel of John. And my professor, his name is Dr. Ian Scott, in case he ever watches this. Thank you, Dr. Scott. Um, he, like many other New Testament scholars I've read, suggests that the Greek verb, which is pastuo, um, which is in the Gospel of John, it's actually translated as to trust or to entrust. Uh, it's an act of trust that involves significantly, significantly more than cognitive belief or the declaration of a creed. Interesting. Um, here's, what, here's what some other uh, Bible scholars have to say about trust, the word, the word belief in John's Gospel. It says, faith is a continuous activity of trust in Jesus. Uh, that's WM, M.W. Young. Faith, according to, to Lao and Nita's Greek New Testament lexicon, is to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. And here's, one, and here's another one. Faith is more of a matter of relationship than creed. Uh, on occasion, it means accepting that a message is true and trustworthy. But for the most part, faith springs from confidence in the works of Jesus and what he has done. Faith is personal and transforming since it is dependent on a person who has demonstrated himself to be powerful and trustworthy. Okay. So we're getting there. The Gospel of John. Pastuo. Uh, perhaps the most... Uh, the Gospel of John is a very unique Gospel uh, in many ways when we compare it to the synoptics. Perhaps the most striking difference is that John never uses the Greek noun pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. It's not a noun he uses. Rather, he has, uses 98 verses of the verb pastuo. Uh, and a verb, of course, connotates what? Action, active. Yeah, that's right. Action and active. Um, so John's interest is to underscore the act of trusting in Jesus as opposed to the content of intellectual belief. Faith is an active and dynamic trust in Jesus especially when life hurts. Especially when life hurts. I did a little study, uh, just talking, just trying to get to the bottom of this word dynamic. Um, a few great, great words here. It's just a force of motion that stimulates change, activity, progress. Energetic, spirited, active, lively, zestful, vital, vigorous. Okay, this is um, this is a faith that digs deep. This is a faith that faith that looks at reality and says, "I got to lean into God here, or else my my intellectual beliefs they'll, they'll crumble under the fact that reality is presenting me with something I've never experienced before: death, pain, hurt." So here's what Jesus says, and. Um, I was reading in the, gospel, in the Gospel of John here that Jesus, he, he, he says, believe in me because the Father sent me. He says, believe in me, look at the works I was doing, at least believe in those. And he says, if you have this, you know, if you have this, this longing to be with the Father and yet reality is getting in your way, 
Um, I'm going to send you someone, the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's interesting, the Gospel of John is this gospel that uh, brings us right into the middle of the, of the already but not yet. Has anyone even heard of that? The already Jesus has come. The already Jesus has come to save us. And the not yet. He hasn't come back and he hasn't taken away our human frailty, our human vulnerability. So anyway, so Jesus says, in that time, when you're struggling with pain and hurt, and when you can't seem to find a way through it, he says this, my father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Okay. So I wanted to, so we started first on, I started to present it as, so this faith, this, this asset is this dynamic trust. You know, this dynamic trust, um, it just involves trusting Jesus with our entire lives. It digs deep into our hearts and souls when we are, where we are free to wrestle with God as we experience these paradoxical realities that human beings face. I love that. You know, it's not just static. It, it, it leans in. Uh, it, it takes into account the full uh, experiences that we have as human beings. It's like the, so this idea of uh, faith, faith has active trust in Jesus. Uh, so in John's gospel, faith is active. Um, John's understanding of faith is active, like we said. So the verb John uses, it clearly shows that, the fact that faith is this act of trust in Jesus with our lives. But there's even more, a little bit, to this act of faith. I wanted to just get into that, uh, you know, before before I, I close. Uh, often, often in the Greek language, uh, or in the Greek Greek language in John's Gospel, there's this little preposition that goes in before the word pastuo, pastuo, which is the you know the Greek word for to believe. Um, it's this it's, it's eis. It's like s uh, beside the word pastuo, um, and it's kind of like. Uh, it's, it's, it, it literally means motion into. So motion into faith. Motion into faith. And it implies a trust. It implies this trust that kind of penetrates into the realm of God. You know when Jesus says, I am, I, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. It penetrates into that, to that reality. That reality that, that we get to be in the Father and in the Son. And then he comes and makes us his home with us with the Holy Spirit. So we have this sort of, I was thinking about this the other day, when it comes to the Father, uh, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, living in us and us living in them, it's kind of like this tri-force we have in us, you know. Think of like an action movie, this tri-force of faith, um, you know, that is, uh, gives us the opportunity and the, and the power to, to dig deep when life hurts. Leaning into God. Um, I like that idea. And as I was doing the, the exegesis for this sermon, and for the and for the article, um, I really thought, yeah, leaning into God when life hurts, that can actually help me. You know, that can actually help people. Um, it's 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 grounded in reality, not just in our minds. You know, uh, often we will. Um, so when life hurts, God calls us to lean into Him, to invest our trust fully in Him. 
And while we shouldn't discount the role of intellectual belief uh, in the process of faith, we need to remember, I think, and internalize faith as this act of motion whereby which we, we hand over our entire reality to the living God. You know, it's like, it's like, do I have all the belief in my head so that, you know, I can be comforted and so God can protect me and so that I can understand God? Or am I handing over my life to Him, my entire reality? Because God enters into reality, doesn't He? Um, Jesus is the exhaustive Word of God, right? Um, and, God, and Jesus enter, enters into reality. So there's this dynamic force taking place within us, you know? Look at the snow out there today. Look at that snow. Has anyone ever, you know, the forces of snow, the forces of God's nature, even that gives us a little insight into how God is. And can we imagine in the spirit realm when we're with the Father and with the Son and, and with the Holy Spirit, He in us and us in Him, can we imagine the possibilities that exist with a faith like that, you know? Um, we can be people who, who lean into God and who, and who push into those promises that God asks us, or that God promises us. Uh, not only the promises that there'll be trouble in the world, right? There's all kinds of other promises that God gives us. But I want to just, I want to, I want to close off here just with coming back to this idea of, of um, a trust in Jesus when life hurts. Um, when we believe in faith, when we, when we believe in this active, dynamic faith, this pascual faith that, the gospel, that, that John's gospel brings us to, um, yeah, I believe it's the only kind of faith that can accept and confront the, the realities we face. Um, this kind of faith is not only active, but deep. Okay? It goes right deep into our core. Um, it's reflective and vibrant. You, know, you can ask questions in this kind of faith. You can, you, can, uh, you can be excited about new answers that you're given. You can question whether God's promises are going to come. Or whether you can question whether God is even good when, uh, fate, when, when, when life hurts. These are all okay. Well, we focus on Jesus. We focus on the fact that Jesus was totally reliant on the Father. That's, God, that's John's gospel. Jesus was totally reliant on the Father. Yeah, that's the God that we have. He says, I can't do anything without the Father telling me. He gives me all the strength and hope. And now we're, we're in Him. He's the God of the, of the infinite universe. That's our faith. There are so many opportunities of growth, um, of progress, and of uh, being people who, who really are light in the world. Like Jesus said, we're lights in the world. Let us shine our light. Okay, so when this, when this becomes our faith, this dynamic, active faith, our trust in Jesus, I think, can become solidified uh, in our hearts and souls, and it can help us wrestle with God and grow with God when hurts and disappointments stretch us. Um, I'm going to come back to this. I just... Second, so okay. So I came to faith in Jesus um, uh, by coming face to face with my own vulnerability as a human being. Um, I experienced childhood trauma when I was young. Um, there's this funny list of things I went through when I was young. So I want to share those quickly. Um, first thing that happened is I broke my arm riding sheep. Anyone <laughs> laughs out there? Yeah, no, bring the laugh. Has anyone heard of the Brill Fair? Yeah. Hands up. Okay, so back in the day, uh, there used to be called this thing called mutton busting. 
<laughs> no, no, yeah. So parents, like us, they take their child and they put them on a sheep. And there wasn't just one sheep going, there was a ton of sheep in a sheep pen. And you put the child on a sheep and you give the sheep a and the sheep would go with the child. And you'd ride the sheep. Yeah. So I broke my arm. <laughs> I broke my arm right here. I remember it. Hurts. Okay, so there's one. I also broke my femur bone at the CLE when I was five. Okay, you ever know what a femur bone is? Hope I don't make money when throw up here. Went like this. Okay. I went to the hospital, the doctor had to pull, pull the leg so that my bone could go like this. Okay? That's another thing I went through as a child. Um, I was burnt with sauna, hot water. Pour it on my back. Accident. Okay? Um, what's another one? Another one is, I have two uncles. So I was basically raised by teenagers, right? So my mom had me when she was 16. So this is me being vulnerable, by the way. Um, and there's this thing called a dishwasher. Someone grabs your legs and arms and they swing you, right? Swing, swing. They, it was snowy day just like today, big snowbank, and there was a railing at my grandma's house and they were going to throw me into the snowbank, okay? Except the person on my arms didn't, didn't uh, he let go, and the other one didn't. So I hit my neck on a rail, and I was paralyzed from the waist down for 15 minutes. Okay, and then I had a cow, my friend, luckily my friend, uh, his dad was a chiropractor, and he, he healed me, right? Um, so, uh, I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> I think I was trying to connect humor with this idea that, you know, uh, oh, vulnerability, that's right. <laughs> So when I was young, I was like, hey, kind of vulnerable there, right? Uh, and now I have a sense of humor about it, and I, and I also have a chip to make my parents feel guilty, too, so don't tell them that. Um, you know, and so I went to seminary, and I, I uh, went to, found Jesus through suffering and pain, and uh, had some mental health problems, uh, you know, obviously, uh, going through all that. Um, and uh, found Jesus... Uh, it was in a really dark, um, vulnerable place, and um, and that's where uh, Jesus said, "I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life." And I remember you saying that as part of my baptism that that that's where I want to go. That Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And ever since then, I. God has just been just pouring himself into me. And uh, I found out in seminary that God could suffer. You know, that God was familiar with my pain and my struggles. And that sort of sent me on this journey of becoming a chaplain. Um, and I thank God for that. I've had to learn vulnerability pretty... I mean, I had no, I've had no choice. Some people have a choice, some people don't. But... I praise God that I had to go through everything I had had um, so that I could be in front of you today. And there's no way, there's no way without God's mercy and love and tenderness that I'd be you know, even standing here. We can go for coffee. And I can tell you a ton more stories. So to leave us with something, uh, you know, something that can help us. Um, first thing I want to say is like I can't teach you guys how to trust in Jesus. You know, we have to learn that for ourselves. <coughs> Right, like these are. I, I went through some things and sort of rambled on here and there, and hopefully picked up a little bit. But I can't really teach anyone to trust in Jesus. We gotta learn that for ourselves, right? 
And, and everyone has a different experience, a different story. It won't, it's not like mine, everyone has differences. Um, but here's a few things about uh, trusting in Jesus when life hurts or leading into God when life hurts. Here's a few things that I've found help. Um, you know, as a chaplain, as, you know, I've learned a lot of things um, about how to deal with your grief and how to help other people do that. So just be honest with God about your grief and your pain and your anger, you know. If you've lost somebody, um, and Christmas is a tough time, you know, uh, just be honest about that with him. Uh, it's a human experience, right? Uh, you're not alone. There's common humanity behind this kind of stuff. <sighs> Practice self-compassion, you know. We live in a society where we're trained to just beat ourselves up. Um, and I was there for a while, uh, beating myself up and sort of um, not, not really growing through that way. And actually, through the practice of self-compassion, I can be up here and talk to you guys and not feeling, you know, like I'm, like I'm just sort of, you know, uh, not doing a good job. Because, you know, I'm being myself, right? And that's what God wants us to do. Show compassion to others, especially the vulnerable. I love how Grassroots has this legacy of doing that and how, you, how, we, uh, how the community and church wants to uh, shelter the vulnerable. That's, that's something we, we, you know, we need to keep doing. And these last two points I, I just wanted to say are, they're supposed to kind of bring us all together. So remember that God is intimately familiar with your pain, okay? So we have this Jesus who's, into, you know, you guys get that, right? Jesus who's familiar with pain. He, he died, he was a child, he was vulnerable. Um, he's intimately familiar with your pain. And because we see God as this, you know, this, this one who's come in the weakness of human flesh, um, who came among us, he's the God, Emmanuel, he's with us, you know, it's going to be okay. He knows you're vulnerable already, right? So, so, so don't worry about it. it. It's okay. Easier said than done, obviously. So he's intimately familiar with your pain here, in life, in reality, in your, in your spot, in the places of your life that hurt, where you're grieving. But can he remember that God is infinitely strong and trustworthy? You know, I love when Keith comes up here and he says, you know, Jesus the King, right? Jesus the King, he, who rules over all the creation. So we have this God who's strong, um, and he's given his strength to us. He's, he says, I'm going to live in you, <laughs> and you're going to live in me. Um, that we have this access to this mighty strong God um, and he's trustworthy. Um, he's trustworthy. So thanks so much for listening today. Uh, it's been just an absolute pleasure to talk to you and uh, I hope that you picked up something from the sermon. Um, we're going to switch over to, uh, we're going to do a communion, communion right now. I remembered. Uh, so the table is set. We, we come to remember the, the, the body and blood of Christ who was shed for us, um, where the Father's glory was revealed, um, and we remember that, that Jesus became human, and that he's with us, and that we can trust him amidst life's hurt, hurts and pains. So I'm just going to say a prayer, and then we're going to do communion. Father, God, thank you so much for uh, this amazing morning, and... Um, I'm just so uh, humbled that, that I was able to speak here today and that people came. Um, just even amidst the stormy, dynamic, active weather outside, thank you, God, that we can trust in you and that, and that we have this uh, tri-force living within us of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we can trust you in life hurts. God, 
I invite people to come up. We invite uh, you to be with them and to speak with them to them during this time. And we pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name.